Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm your host today, Dungeon Master Mitch, and this upcoming episode that we have for you is an epilogue night episode. We're going to be looking and talking about the last night of play for my campaign, The Journey on the Unending Sea. And so we have four out of our six players to talk with us during this episode about what happened in the last episode. And then we have some really good discussion afterwards about some of the major topics in the campaign and some of the things that the players had to deal with as players, as characters, some really great campaign discussion. But before we get into that, of course, we do have some five-star reviews to give shout-outs to. The first one comes from The Frenchiest Fry, and it's entitled Wonderful Podcast. DM Mitch and DM Chris are both wonderful podcast hosts. They manage to be informative, innovative, and entertaining all at the same time. 10 out of 10 would recommend. The Frenchiest Fry, thank you so much. You're a poet and you didn't even know it. The next one comes from DM Bugnish and is entitled Inspiration, Thy Cup Runneth Over. I have been out of the DM game for almost eight years and these DMs have saved my bacon. From story time to DMnastics, this podcast will give you things to put in your campaign and provide ways to create your own plots, NPCs, villains, weapons, magical sentient items, dragons that have been fused together, and a mage that can cast up a wicked tiramisu. Listen, learn, laugh. Thank you so much, DM Bugnish. That was an awesome review. Long live the food mage. And with that, let's get into this week's meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Carve it up! Fist the mouthful! No! Looks like meat back on the menu, boys! Alright, so for the meet this week, we are going to be having another epilogue night uh, discussion. And so we finished my campaign, The Journey on the Unending Sea, which was well titled for the first half. And later on, it was a journey through the underworld. And so possibly not so well titled, but that was the title that we went with. So let's talk about, for those people who have listened to Storytime knowing where we left off in the story. Let's talk about what happened during that last session of our game, during our epilogue night. So to begin with introductions, of course, I'm DM Mitch. You guys know I'm the, I was the DM for this campaign. Let's go around, and we have four of the six players for this campaign here with us today. I'm Brother Casey, and I played the Paladin Durdain. I'm hashtag Magic Mark. And I played the gnome artificer, Cedric. Artificer. I'm DM Chris, and I played Sanjin, a elf monk who was trying to find who he really was in his personal philosophy on the voyage of the Unending Sea. 
And last but not least, we have an interesting answer, I think, for this question. But I'm Paladin Caleb. At this point in the campaign, I was playing a DM-created NPC-turned-PC named Krig. And previously, I played Captain Garzak, who was a barbarian. Yeah, it should be mentioned. You didn't introduce yourself as such, but Dordain was Captain Dordain for uh, yeah. the rest for, of the for, game. For about <laughs> for 11 days, second. and then he decided to go full speed into some fog. It depends on if and you ruin determine the you're a captain without your ship or not. Right. <laughs> I'm like Captain Jack Sparrow. I don't need right. a ship. So uh, where we had left off in story time was you guys had men- made your way through the underworld, layer by layer. You had seen many terrible things. Can we go around and just state where your ins- your sanity rating was when you went into the underworld and where your sanity rating was at the point that we started on this night. Uh, let's just go around, starting with Brother Casey. I believe mine started at around 16 and ended up around 3 or 4. I uh, went from 15 to 5, I believe. Sanjen went from 15 to 2. <laughs> By the time hell happened... Craig and Garzak were both already pretty much insane, so <laughs> there was no relevant yeah, score for either. There, of those was, there was no nothing for Craig. Craig was yeah pretty much shot anyway at this point. Yeah, <laughs> and the other two players, it wasn't any really better for. But I believe Chris that Sanjen was ha- took the cake with. Uh, having I think I was the lowest. Damage. Yeah, yep. I think I was the lowest out of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, And so you guys reach the point where you were at the lowest uh, layer that you knew of, and in front of you was this Black Lantern, this artifact that you were here for to help Craig bring uh, back with him. And so what happened uh, as you approached to get the Black Lantern? I believe, Dordain, you're the one who, that Casey, Dordain was the first to approach. Yeah, everyone was pretty skeptical about the Black Lantern, but I... I was like, all right, this is what we came here to get, so let's let's go grab it and just get this over with. So I I grabbed it and the demon popped out or I got I believe you don't I don't even think you got to the point of grabbing right. it when fire erupted and a pit fiend, which is a, a evil devil, appeared. And you had had previous experience. You all had previous experiences with but this. Nothing like uh, mine. What were your previous experience with a creature like this? Well, these were the demons that sorted us almost like a very terrible sorting hat from Harry Potter (laughs) except for they reached into our souls and then etched something in our forehead for whatever our greatest sins were so these things were they struck fear into our hearts and even some of us for the remainder of the battle that we had against them some people were feared the whole time that was definitely a mechanic that really Messed up some of you, Krig and Zillison. Krig, Krig did not do anything in this battle. Zillison did not. I think Zillison out of the, out of the I think Zillison moved towards the pit fiend until he got to twenty feet and then never yep. moved again. And had never ever taken a ranged weapon and thus could do nothing, which is why you always take some sort of ranged weapon. But yeah, so how did that encounter go down? Not great for all of us. We all got pretty severely hurt, I think. The ones that could engage in battle. Except for those of us who could Um, not engage. Yeah, the people that didn't (laughs) engage, she didn't really worry about. Well, also, I think that uh, Lirio probably didn't take much damage. I mean, she... Yeah, we found out that there was a little barrier around. Like, the, the lantern was sitting on a pedestal, and... Uh, Liriel decided to like hide behind it, maybe like protecting herself because the pit fiend doesn't want to hurt the lantern or something, and found out that there was some sort of barrier on the pedestal, and so she would like do some damage, and she did a lot of damage. Like I think if I, I, think I remember she right, was she the like king crit, of damage like, in this. Uh, yeah, she like did battle. fifty-eight damage with one crit or something like that. So 
she would like hot she would pop up shoot and then like duck behind it so he couldn't hit her with any sort of like ranged attack of any sort and eventually once he got tired with one piece of play thing that <laughs> got really hurt he would move on to the next thing so we were like oh, i'm just gonna punch you really weakly in the back and hopefully we can we can take you out slowly but surely there was this definite awesome moment mark where you used a spell to your advantage this yeah. uh pit fiend had a big mace that was like on fire and what did you do to kind of combat the extreme fire damage that was coming out of this mace? I actually imbued it into, with my artificer stuff, into Lirial's cloak. And it was, if magical fire got nearby, an anti-magic field would go off. So I ended up, I did it with the intent of, she was ranged damage, I was ranged damage, and we stood close to each other. So if he threw a fireball at us, like he did at the opening of the battle, that the fireball would not do damage to us. But then she hit him hard enough that he jumped over at us, and all of a sudden the magical fire on his mace got close enough that it activated the anti-magic field, and the enchantment on his mace went away. So it wasn't exactly what the intent was, but it did the job of... It certainly helped. It turned <laughs> off his mace when we needed it too, so. <laughs> and she had a cool moment running up the back of it and doing the like legolas troll thing and, yeah. and then she got thrown <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but i think eventually you guys were able to take this pit devil down and without any casualties and so you you finally were able to defeat it uh krig runs over and as he has done with every devil and demon you've encountered pulls out his holy water and sprays it on him so he doesn't uh come back and what happened from there we took the lantern and then we hightailed it well specifically who who was the one who who picked up the lantern was it me yeah because it was doing because once we got out I uh, I was talking to I was uh, Craig was talking to Durdane and and took the lantern back from him. So Durdane definitely took it. Yeah, at I, th that point. I think I grabbed it and just handed it to you and be like, "Let's just get this over with because yeah. this is what we came for. Let's go." And that was important, and it didn't actually come up. But if some of the rest of you, some of the rest of you tried to pick it up. <laughs> Especially Zillicent, it wouldn't you wouldn't have been able to pick it up because part of the prophecy was someone pure of heart uh, needed to pick this up. So it didn't come into play because Dordain was the first to grab it. But uh, that go. was something that was important. And yeah, um, I couldn't have picked it up. Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to pick it up. <laughs> Can't ride the fine. Sanjan would have been fine. Dordain was fine, and Lyriel would have been fine. But the rest of you guys, um, Craig had. Problems for other reasons, but <laughs> we'll get into that later. He have been so insane that his heart actually was pure; like he couldn't do anything rationally <laughs> right? evil anymore. He just kind of did things it was out just, of insanity. He was almost no longer sentient. He was just yeah. kind of this thing. You guys got the black lantern, and Craig used a magical power to teleport all of you guys out of the underworld and back to the to the stairs. And you guys, uh, he basically said, "All right." I can give you the wishes now, and you can return home. And what was your guys' response? We wanted to see the lantern we destroyed. Like, we committed to destroying this thing, so we're not leaving until we see it actually happen. I, I think I expressed it mostly out of my character, thinking, I don't know if I trust this guy. This thing seemed pretty powerful. I'm not going to let the psycho weirdo just walk away with this super-duper powerful lantern, regardless of who it is and what he said he was going to do. I want to see it destroyed if that was our goal. So we were like 
we're not leaving yet. You destroy this thing, and then we can have that conversation. And so you guys, that was your choice. And that was, that, I think me and Caleb had talked about plans for this night. He had a little bit of insight of what was going to happen and the possibilities. And that was something that we were going to give you guys the choice. And that was a choice that you guys could have just gone and left him, him to his own devices there. I think we both thought that you guys would choose what you did, and you did. And you guys made your way back to the cabin. Tell me about... Tell the listeners about making your way back to the cabin, where this anvil is that you know can destroy this lantern. So we worked our way back, and um, eventually we got to probably the the home stretch, and we run into Caleb's brother. Right? It was your yeah, Craig's brother. Yeah. I mean, we we'd kind of seen apparitions, I guess, of them in the smoke oh, yeah, before yeah. then, or in the fog, in the fog yeah. before then. But eventually, yeah, we ran into noon. Is that how he pronounced his name? Noon, Noon. yep. And he was not looking quite like himself. And he basically demanded that we give him the lantern. And Craig, recognizing that he was not himself. He had the black hammer too, right? He had a a hammer that looked like your white, pure white hammer, but black. Yeah. And that was something that you knew as a player, uh, but didn't know as a character. Uh, And none of the rest of you guys knew that at that point either. But yeah, and what was, I mean, you saw, you finally got close enough to see him and he was surrounded by seven other figures, which I think you all are piecing it together that these were the other brothers of Krig, which, why was that weird that they were there? Because they were all dead. dead. Yeah, Yeah, more than half of them were dead, yeah. All but Noon and Treen. And so you guys got close enough and described to me what these were dead brothers looked like. Yeah, they all had like black ooze, well not ooze exactly, but like black essence coming out of like all their orifices, their eyes and their ears, and just like all covered in like this this black It made me think of the... This is going to be deep tracks, but season two of Heroes, there was like the Mexican girl that cried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I pictured as soon as you were playing. I like that. So that's that's kind of where I was going, and every time in my mind, I was like, "Oh, their eyes black out, and they cry weird goo." And yeah. And Noon had the same exact thing going on, although he also had grown these long, curvy horns out of his forehead. He turned into a typhoon. And the creepiest thing I would say about it was that. Noon would speak, but then they would all speak in unison, and they referred to themselves as we or us, like hive mind. Yes, very hive mind, like for sure. And they were basically, and they they gave you guys an offer. Do you guys remember what their offer was? To join them, basically, we become one of them. Get all us, and we won't kill you. Yeah, very Jafar. Well, yeah, it was it was not even we won't kill you, but they did promise. Yeah, they said if you if you bow before us and join us and help us to defeat anyone who stands against us we promise you power beyond your wildest dreams did any of you guys take it no not that i know you guys decided to fight and how did that battle go down dordain you rolled a high initiative i did once again decided to charge into battle I charge had, I, into I the had unknown a plan. super quickly i was i was hoping to get them all to surround me and craig could just take off and just get to the cabin that's which, what i was planning which more or less kind of worked actually it that kind of is the way did. it worked out so that that was the plan anyway but it was a scary moment for the rest of us watching you get surrounded and have one of our five six members of our group die instantaneously almost from all these yeah. from all these people i just before, barely got down before even this zillis was first in an, in attack order or whatever and so he charged forward 
trying to be a hero, just like he was the whole campaign. Um, <laughs> and then I was I was next, and I went and just prismatic sprayed and did, did a whole yeah. mess of stuff to everybody, including Zillicent in the back, which Zillicent was Cedric's least favorite person in the crew. <laughs> so it was pretty easy for him to make that call. We did like a 20-minute turn of just me counting Yeah, lots dice. of damage being done. So many dice. Because um, it was like... Most of them got the, just the damage roll of Prismatic Spray, so it was like 10d6 for each of the nine people I hit. So yeah, lots of lots of dice. Way too much dice. And so uh, Dordain rushes in. He's immediately in one turn overtaken and like beaten down by these creatures that have weapons that are made out of this darkness that's seeping out of everywhere from them too. And you're just beaten down, bloodied to a pulp, and you go down immediately. And then the rest of the battle wasn't as dark as that like we had Krig you ran off and you started this like one on one battle with your brother Noon who has these horns coming out of his head and he wants the lantern and you're trying to protect the lantern and Noon cast planar shift on Cedric because he didn't want to deal with a magic user and you disappeared to another plane and so this battle is going down we have Sanjin punching these undead brothers of Krig in the face we have Dordain he's bleeding out uh, we have Noon fighting with Krig. We have Liriel and Zillison adding to the battle. What happened with Cedric? Well, I fortunately knew Planar Shift as well, so I um, zapped myself back. However, I couldn't get specific enough with our destination where our combat was happening. So I ended up inside of the cabin that we were trying to get to, which... which- which no one could really see at this point from where we were, yes. except for Craig, who was fighting Noon. Yeah. And what did this cabin look like? Uh, well, inside there was a couple of dead bodies. There was a few companions from our ship that we left there. Um, they were Couldn't find a head to one of them. Yeah, yeah. one <laughs> was completely headless. The other was just dead in a pile. And we l- looked out the windows, and it was just a curtain of blackness. Just this, this weird goo that was coming out of all the bad guys was surrounding this cabin. So I initially was like, hmm, I'll just throw an anti-magic field up and see if that works. It didn't. I knew that I needed, wanted to get to the group and help and contribute. And Cedric, in his haste, which is a pretty character pattern thing, goes, okay, I'm just going to walk through this stuff. What's the worst that could happen? The worst happened. Bad <laughs> freaking stuff. And I got black gooed and possessed to just like the rest of the enemies and i switched sides yeah you were doing your best and you're casting walls of magic to stop the rest of the party from getting to you fortunately it was too far away to directly affect the bulk of the fighting that was happening well yeah and by the time i got there most of that was over yeah I think probably at least half of the brothers were down at that yeah, point. Yeah, I think there was only like two left up. Two were unconscious because Sanjan doesn't kill anything. So <laughs> he told he told Zillison to go take care of them on the ground. And I decided that I needed to go and find Craig because Craig just ran off and we don't know where Noon is. And I kind of like got into the battle and I was like, oh, you're taking care of him, whatever. And then I see Cedric and I'm like, all right. I hate to do this, buddy, but you got black bleeding out of you like crazy. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. And I think at that time you had cast a storm and you were the only one that was like a magic user around at the time. So it was like, all right, well, these are hurting us. So I obviously have to go after you. And like the whole time I'm like, this sucks. I am going to have to seriously injure like one of my own. Like this is not, this is not something Sanjin would want to do. And in the midst of this, 
Uh, Craig is taken out by noon, yeah. which is really scary because Craig has the Black Lantern and it drops to the ground. But luckily, Lirio came to the rescue. She hit him with a, a sneak attack arrow, just like all of her damage. Lirio finally defeats Noon, just in time for me to have a wonderful spell failure thing happen. But it made me teleport, and I teleported as the now sole antagonist remaining, teleport to exactly where I wanted to be. And I end up as in character picking up the Black Lantern and the Black Hammer and flying. Yeah, and so Lyriel has just taken down Noon. He gets hit by an arrow, his body falls to the ground, and he explodes in dark matter, and he's gone. Like, there's no more. There's no more Noon at this point. Cedric, I had been texting you, Magic Mark, and I was like, you want to get that lantern into the house, you want to get the hammer, and you were, the spell failure worked that you were able to get it, and you start flying off. This is when the greatest... <laughs> pull out a spell moment ever happened. Casey, Pretty what happened? Uh, as you didn't even hesitate. No, it was, that was, it was like immediate. It. There like, was, it was just, no hesitation. It was just like, I know what I'm going to do. Well, I, I had tried to use like, I forget what the, what the spell was called. It was like, it was a dispel spell. Yeah, I tried to dispel the storm so they weren't like blocking the way f- for whoever was behind the storms. And I was like, okay, so he's flying away with the lantern and the hammer. That doesn't seem like a good thing. I'm going to dispel his fly spell, and it worked because it, it was a level three spell, yeah, right? fly is not very strong. Yeah, so it was an automatic dispel the spell, and Cedric comes tumbling all the way back down. And hits. with my modified falling rules, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he hit the ground hard. Exploded just like noon in all this darkness, and Cedric was gone. The lantern fell. The battle was over. And then we had this moment as the group followed Krig into the cabin, which well, the cabin is still had, covered in I darkness. I, th- I think that uh, Duerdane brought me back, uh, yeah, he, healed yeah, me up after I'd fallen. Yeah. You I didn't have much. I think it was only like four hit points. Yeah, it was really. Yeah, but yeah. you were back up. Yeah. yeah. And so you guys all go into this cabin. Uh, Krig, you're able to step through. Sanjin, you approached it, and and this happened with Dordain as well. This darkness actually parted ways so that you, Lyriel, and Dordain could go into this cabin. Zillicent stayed on the outside, didn't enter, which is actually a really good thing because he would not have passed through without a being overtaken. And so you guys get inside. Krig pulls this tarp off of this hidden anvil, pulls out his hammer, brings it down on this lantern. The lantern breaks, and you guys hear this shaking from outside. And Zillison, who was outside, sees all around the rim of this cliff that this cabin is on, this like big gasp of white air just puffs up. And you guys all come outside, and what do you guys see coming up from the side of this cliff? We saw a whole bunch of souls that we probably had seen in the abyss start floating up into the sky like we had almost released or opened the gates of hell for them to leave and be free to go somewhere. I don't know where they went, but they went somewhere. I almost kind of pictured as like that scene in The Lord of the Rings where all the souls are just flooding Gondor and just... Except for in a very peaceful way. Yeah, more peaceful. Yeah, less less hack and slash and more like floaty up. And I think a lot of them were saying like "thank you, thank you" and like making eye contact. We saw we had a little cameo moment of uh, of Rix's yep. parents from the Riders of Shemesh campaign. Yep. 
And so you guys had gotten to the point where you guys had succeeded. And Krig now said, it's time for your wishes to be made. And so we went around the table, and car- each of your characters made a wish. And so I believe it was Sanjen who started it yeah, off. Yeah, it, like, it was like right away. I was like, yep. ah, I wish Cedric was back. And Alive. immediately Cedric poofs out of nowhere, and he's back. Second time. Second time. <laughs> I owe you a lot, bro. <laughs> I, I think the weird thing with these wishes was that we really had to get specific about exactly what we wanted because it seemed like Craig was like, you have to be very specific, otherwise the the wish might not go as you want words it to go. matter. Yeah, words it was, matter. and and like you couldn't use the conjunction and, yeah, yeah, well, because it was like it would make it into more times than not it would make it into two separate wishes that you were trying to combine in one. He's like, no, fix it. You can only wish for one thing. It followed standard genie rules. Can't wish for more than one wish. Yeah. So I wished after that, after some deliberation and asking Sean Jen several times, are you sure you don't want my wish? You sure you don't want my wish? Because you gave me my life, so you can have my wish. Then he I kept said on, no. He kept on <laughs> denying it. it, being all high and mighty, hoity-toity. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's totally his character. Yeah, um, that's how it's perceived. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so Cedric asked for the ability and knowledge to give basically sentience to his creations. He wanted to be able to create functional automatons that were able to think and function and act on their own, which is something that Atos hadn't seen since the creation of the Warforge, and that was lost knowledge, and even that was by accident. So he wanted the ability to just kind of basically create life from mechanical things. Uh, and so Zillison made this wish that his people, the Carnaths, would be in a place where they would not live in war and judgment from other people. Uh, and so he, his wish, would, wording was important, basically took every single Carnith from the plane of Atos and teleported them to another plane of existence Wasn't where that no the one other that sentient Cedric creature was. was on? Yep. Yeah, that was where <laughs> That he I got, got teleported to by yeah. the, the pit fiend? This place <laughs> with purple grass and these weird cattle-like creatures yeah. and mountains in the background. Um, and didn't he say something like in a place that had no Free of segregation. segregation, yeah. And he wasn't very good at specifying, like, he, he didn't change his culture of his people with his witch. He just changed... He <laughs> just changed a, the situation. Like. Yeah, he, ch- he went to a place that had nothing there prior to it other than non-cognizant creatures. So there was no segregation there. That doesn't mean the people that showed up couldn't segregate. Well, and I, I think there's a big question there that I don't really want us to all get into at this point, but like, would it have been better if he had actually change the way of his people because isn't that taking away the free choice of them but he definitely made a huge impact on the world by taking an entire race and bringing them somewhere else like that race is gone from this what if we take the carnus and (laughs) And push push them somewhere else (laughs) so zillison with that being carnith disappeared yep zillison is gone you guys don't see Zillison ever again at this point. That was the end of our story with Zillison. None of them Zillison. are magic users. So can't <laughs> ever get yeah, they, they did not either. learn any arcade. Oh, that's gonna suck. Like changing your whole diet and hoping these foods aren't poisonous at <laughs> all. Good thing they're oh. rocks; they can last for. Yeah, long they don't eat. They don't eat a whole lot. But my wish was next, and I had to get very specific with my wish because it was one of those where I kind of w- at first wished for two things with one wish. And Craig was like, no, you have to word it in such a way that you can still get everything you want. So it was 
pretty much everyone that had gone on our journey that had died would come back to life in their homes alive. And lo and behold, everyone was back alive. And you knew that that actually worked because Cedric at that point disappeared (laughs) because he had died. Who died on the journey. And I think your phrasing did say everyone who died on our journey was like alive and well and in their homes. Except with less ands because that was wording was important. So now we have Dordain, we have Sanjen, and we have Liriel standing with Krig. That's the only one people left. Yeah, and so Liriel, she basically wished for all the people who went down into the underworld and lost some of their mind to have their mental faculties restored, basically. And so everyone who kind of had lost their sanity then kind of gained it back. Lyriel made that wish and all your sanity was restored and you could tell by the people present that you were feeling much better and you were feeling restored. Craig However, there was somebody there who wasn't restored. Yeah. Craig, unfortunately, had nothing to begin with when we went down there, so the wording failed in his part because he didn't, like, restored to what they were before they went down. Well, that doesn't really solve Craig's situation. <laughs> yep. And we were trying to figure out, like, okay, how many wishes do we have left? Are we going to be stuck here? And he's like, you have more wishes is essentially like what you were saying yep. over and over. And it's like, oh, that doesn't help us. We could have one more. We could have eight more. Like, we don't know. But Craig's and not good with numbers. And I said, so I asked, do we have more than one? And you essentially like, we, however the conversation went, we deduced that you have more than one wish left. And so we were like, okay, well, just so you can tell us, we wish that, God, that Craig was fully sane and could, actually have a conversation with us and it was just all of a sudden like oh hello i'm krieg how may <laughs> yeah. i help you it was yeah. like super which polite. was really weird yeah. for you to play it Caleb. was in fact I'm, I'm pretty sure that at that point even for the for the first few phrases after that like i would like there was this really great dramatic thing like your wish your, your, your wish wish is <laughs> and then granted was solid but after that i went right back into the whole krieg stutter thing because i was just so used to doing that with krieg also I didn't really know how to respond as a sane Craig. And I feel like at this point you pretty much took over because I didn't know Craig well enough to do Craig when he wasn't insane. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. The sanity gave you guys a little bit of time to play back and forth on yep. Facebook. When you're not saying it's like, well, I don't, I, we don't have that, that go, those guardrails anymore. And so you restored him to a complete and totally sane person. And along with that, you asked, how many wishes do we have left? And he looked at you with completely sane eyes and just said, one wish. You have one wish left. And you were by yourself at this point, right? Like, your brothers were... Sti- the other two were still dead, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. All yeah. the brothers... The brothers that Treen, the uh, other brother that wasn't Noon, that was alive, was killed by Noon. Yeah. And then brought back. Which most of them Dark were Power. killed by Noon. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. And essentially, exactly. Liriel and I just kind of, like, looked at each other and Dordain and we're like, Craig, you want to come back with us? And Craig was just kind of like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing left for me here. Like, I'll... I'll go back. And so that was our wish. Like, we wish that we could all be back in whatever town we started in with Craig. And sure enough, we got wished back. And everybody, including Garzak, which we still still like a crazy dude. Yeah, Garzak, uh, unfortunately, didn't. Captain Garzak was teleported back, but his mind was not restored. Because he did not go in the underworld so he, with us. He so spent that not... his time, basically, those last days in, like, a home, like, being fed pudding. Yeah. <laughs> so, poor Garzak. Yeah. And basically thinking that everybody around him was those little rat creatures yep. that uh, he ended Because he had thought the little rat creatures with. were everyone around him, so... <laughs> 
this was actually a really interesting epilogue night for me because a lot of it was me going like with this power of these wishes, things can change like crazy. So I basically just said like, all right, well, you guys tell me where what happened with your characters. And so uh, let's just let's start with uh, we'll just talk about the four that are here. But uh, hashtag magic mark Cedric. What happened with Cedric? Well, Cedric went home. Well, ended up home with the gnomish community and of course with his new knowledge and ability to create these automatons he ended up doing so and experimenting with like what's beneficial what's helpful um the big thing we discussed was these automatons and these warforged autonomous things ended up starting to worship cedric as, yeah like a as group a, of them yeah as something as like, creator <laughs> yeah he created us so therefore deity and cedric really had a hard time with that um at first he was there's always been a dark side to him so he started out being like yeah let's let's bring it on let's be worshipped um but f- after all of the things that shangen did for him throughout the campaign he really respected the opinion of of shangen and was like okay i don't trust my own morality here let's <laughs> let's <laughs> Let's phone up our good buddy Shanjen. I think we joked around that you had a WWS. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, what was Shanjen do? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was one of those where he he channeled his his inner Shanjen and uh, even consulted him. Um, luckily, being the magic user, it's not that difficult to be like, poof, hey, can you help me out with this problem? Yeah. Poof, and then kind of figure out things that way. So he ended up declining to be worshipped and. <laughs> de-deified himself <laughs> in some ways, but we didn't really discuss too much about how gnomish society, especially in that area, changed because basically we had a whole bunch of robot coexistence. So yeah, but that's what happened with him and his community is basically he built half their civilization from there. What happened with Dordain as he journeyed back? Um, Pretty much at this point, Dordain really wanted to figure out more about the world itself because we had Craig had kind of explained what the world looked like or was shaped like and pretty much I wanted to kind of make a globe type thing to kind of like map out the world essentially and what did Craig describe the the earth to be like the it was it was kind of like a bowl we were on the island and he pretty much drew a bowl shaped thing on the ground and we're like okay, we're in a bowl. So, and we might get to this later in more discussion, but the world is pretty much shaped like a bowl and we're in the middle of it. Yeah, and not a lot of land in the middle. Like the big area of Atos is a a blip in the, it's called the unending sea. We now know it is not unending, but it certainly is stinking huge. On a a practical level. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, after that, he pretty much sailed the seas trying to learn as much as he could to complete his map pretty much uh, what happened to Sonjin? well the reason that Cedric had to teleport to try and find him all the time was because Sonjin kind of learned that monks do things wrong he thinks in his mind like in order to find yourself he doesn't believe that you're supposed to stay in one place and meditate anymore uh, he believes in traveling and learning things as you go and finding who you are and so uh, he kind of created his own martial arts while he was traveling around, as well as like would enter into a city. And he, like Stephen Creel came with him, and his whole idea was like, 
well, maybe we can help some of these people who are trying to find who they are, struggling with who they are. We can help them find their true identity by traveling the world with them. And so we kind of started the first group of traveling monks, which sounds kind of weird, <laughs> but they like the whole goal was like once somebody began to find themselves, they could then begin to teach others and they would split off and start their own like traveling group of monks who would help other people find out who they were in life by traveling the world and doing adventures and, you know, helping through tough situations and things like that. So that's what happened with Sanjin. Um, and Craig was all normal, brought back to the docks with Sanjin, Lirio, and with Dordain, and just said, thanks, guys. See you later. And yep. left. And I think all you guys were like, I want to know what happens with Craig. I want to know what happens with Craig. And I like the mystery of it. So we just kind of left it as, you guys didn't see Craig until years later. Uh, you guys kind of got together for a, a reunion, kind of talk about not the good old times, because that was certainly, I mean, you guys went through hell on the unending literally. sea and then literally went to hell, but got together as old friends. Zillison, of course, excluded because he's somewhere else. And Craig kind of, now had learned to harness a little bit of his powers better and he gave you like this vision of what you had stopped and he showed you this darkness spreading from the deepest darkest place in the underworld out and you saw that there was a huge battle in the underworld between devils and demons between certain gods being killed and you saw the dead all rising like we saw some dead rising but the dead rising, these evil dead rising from the underworld, crawling up the side of this bowl of Atos and making their way to the center, which would have taken them a long time. But then Craig basically said, you have stopped an age of shadows. So you guys basically stopped this age that is a potential timeline for my world that is where the undead are, are Arithnal, who is the is the blackness, the evil god, who is the many, which is why that all these brothers talked in unison, because they were possessed by a portion of him. He would have escaped from his cage, killed Nerul, who was holding over the land of the dead by law, evil law, but law nonetheless, which is why there were all these levels of different punishment, and just brought the dead back to Atos to attack uh, so this could have been a very different campaign end if uh, you guys had gone down. Uh, I basically, we would have seen any of you that survived going back to the mainland, hopefully using those wishes and being the only ones who knew of the darkness coming and having to prepare for this darkness that was going to envelop this world. But instead, you guys saved the day, which was good for this Yay. this timeline of Atos. <laughs> Uh, and that's that's where we ended this epilogue night as far as the story. So let's talk a little bit um, just with the rest of our time. Just I know you guys have some questions. I have some questions for you guys. All right. So my first question to you guys is this was a really tragic campaign, a really dark campaign, a campaign filled with failures and awful moments. How did you guys cope with that as players? Was that not fun for you guys? It was challenging at a lot of points. Like, how was it as players dealing with situations that were dark and looming and, like, there wasn't a lot of breaths of fresh air in this whole entire campaign? I spent a lot of time feeling, like, stumped in the campaign, like having faced with a real challenge which was kind of interesting most of the time 
in past campaigns and what I see a lot happening is there's there's the clear answer of like we are the good guys and we are fighting for the good things and we are doing and and so it's pretty clear of like our goal is to do what is right and what is right is clearly set forth and that's our path in this campaign it, there was a lot of like ambiguous stuff it was very gray until like the very end so there was especially on the sailing bit it was like oh so what do we how do we have our where's our moral compass and a lot of you were really shaky on that i sanjen yeah. i know chris as sanjen you had a lot of moments of frustration with your like in character frustration of like this is awful i'm trapped on this ship with all these like in your opinion probably terrible people yeah i think at the same time though like in those instances i think sanjen never really lost hope because he saw all of these situations as a time for people to learn as frustrating as some of the people were at times i think he saw them all as moments that people could grow from and hopefully he could instill a little bit of that moral compass that he had into the people that were around him one of those key moments being when they almost tried to take over the ship and shoot Dordane with a pistol. But um, yeah, I think in, I think in those moments, like tragedy gave me as Sanja and some of the best moments for role playing because it helped me to have hope for these people because the tragedies sometimes were brought on by ourselves. So I think I was really pleasantly surprised in that last night uh mark you had said uh oh, i wish we could keep going with this campaign and i was shocked and i was just like yeah. i haven't beaten you guys in the ground enough with this campaign <laughs> like i've literally driven you to like breaking points with your characters and it you said that and i think casey you said yeah i'd like to keep going and like mm -hmm. i think lauren said it um and like a, a couple of you guys were like yeah i'd love to keep going with this campaign and we ended nonetheless because i believe in a good a good place to end you, you end at some point but I mean, I talk about that. Like it was not a happy campaign, but you guys still wanted to keep going. Well, there's always the factor of like you get to know the characters, and you're always invested in the story. So you want you don't want the you don't want the book to end. You don't want to wait 15 years for George R. R. Martin to write the next <laughs> book and things like that. So so you 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 get close with these characters, and then you know the chapter finishes and the book is over. And so there's part of that. It was just that initial response of like, oh, I don't want to deal with having to write up a new character and come up with a new story and having an awkward session one where you're like, I kind of forgot how to role play and it's this new character and you're still feeling it out. But then there's also the factor of, I liked the, the actual moral challenge and the quandary of like, how would this character respond to X, Y, and Z? And that was very well put through throughout the campaign. And it was, there was very much a, a aspect of, you know, okay, this is this is fun. Sometimes it's more fun after the fact and talking about like how we went got through the situation. Like in the moment, it was frustrating to have to figure out how are we going to feed two hundred people on a boat with rations for twenty and quandaries like that. That was difficult in the time of how to come up with an answer for that. But after the fact, it was almost the most fun of this campaign was not so much the playing of it as it was the the conversation after. And that's not to say the campaign was not fun. It's mostly that it was more like fun to discuss. In like, the moment how it was, did you deal in the with moment this? the frustration was of was kind of the overwhelming 
part of it was the frustration and the problem yeah. solving and sometimes the sheer impossibility of it. And then afterwards, there's kind of this this kind of euphoria of having conquered, having having hmm. finished it. Um, and so it all kind of has a very positive light on it. Yeah. Um, and you still want to have more of that positive light, even though even even though you realize it, it, it might mean going through more of the really frustrating, difficult kind of role-playing moments. It was a very Dark Souls kind of campaign. <laughs> um, yeah. Where you... You're presented with daunting situation after daunting situation. And, of course, we don't have thousands of lives to spend to figure out the problem, but we do have the time and the role-playing aspect of we can figure this out. And it's very frustrating in the moment. You, nobody likes Dark Souls when the boss beats you 600 <laughs> times. Yeah. But you really like it when you're like, oh, I finally beat him. Yeah. And that's that's a lot of what this campaign was. I felt like it was, it was daunting task after daunting task. But the sense of accomplishment afterwards was very good. And that's kind of interesting because I think we've seen that in other campaigns as well. Mm -hmm. Moments where uh, I, as the DM, was feeling scared for my life because the players were glaring at me with angry (laughs) eyes. Like, now there's some of those moments, like, I know some of you guys are like, man, that time that this happened, like, that's one of my favorite nights that we ever did. And I'm like, you hated me that night. <laughs> but, like, it's kind of cool how, like, you come out of that struggle and, like, it's it's fun. Let's keep moving on. I want to talk a little bit to you, Caleb, about uh, you came to me. We reached the shores and you said, I think I'm done with Garzek. I think Garzek has reached the, his breaking point. I think this is a good place to leave him off with these furry animals and just leaving him there. Like, I don't think... I think I'm done with him. And I was of this, like, uh, you don't know where you are. There's not really sentient creatures that you can play here. Just what the heck do I do? You wanna... Yeah, I'm like, what do I do with this? And I really was delivered a quandary of, I want to honor my player, uh, but I don't know what the heck to do. And so I did some real, like, thinking. And I was like, I have this NPC that's supposed to be uh, kind of just a guy that says, here, go on this quest. Why don't I let Caleb take this guy over and me and, you know, I've done this before where I've said, all right, you're more than just a PC. You're involved in the story, uh, so you're going to get inside information. Uh, and so you, we did that. I sat you down, we talked, and I said, you want to play this character, Craig? Uh, he is a son of old Damara. He has a bunch of these weirdo brothers. He's crazy. He stutters. Uh, he knows things, but he doesn't know how to explain things. Here's his the the goal that he needs to accomplish. Uh, are you okay with this? And you're like, yeah, I, this sounds cool. Let's try this out. And so we opened up like Facebook conversations. I mean, just tell us a little bit about just how that was as a player, like doing that Thing, it's different than anything yeah, I assume you've was, ever done. It was, it was Tell definitely us every intimate detail about this character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, I don't. I don't actually know all that many intimate details about this character. Um, but it was definitely um, a whole a whole different role playing experience than playing Garzak, for instance, or really any normal PC that I've played, because I kind of had my back in my in the back of my mind the whole time that um, I had kind of put you in the kind of this difficult position of kind of <laughs> retiring my, my, my previous character because it just seemed like the sensible thing to, the thing to do for this character at this point in what I later realized was kind of an awkward place for you to, for you to pick up a new character, for, for you to have me pick up a new character. And as a consequence of that, I needed to know a lot of things and be privy to a lot of things, but also do things in a way 
that fit with your overall arc for this character and for this kind of part of the campaign and kind of make sure that things were doing where things were going basically the way you intended while still infusing my own sort of creativity into the play. So yeah, it was a, it was a, it was definitely a unique experience for me. I think. Yeah. Chris, I have a question for you that kind of just popped up just because of epilogue night. You took on this character, this very selfless character who really went through a really interesting arc of, uh, I think you, I don't know if you planned it out this way, but I think you planned once these moments happened that you were like, he wasn't really selfish. He was trying to be selfless in a selfish way. Uh, and he went through this arc and learned true selflessness. You reach the end of this campaign. As a DM, I've placed this character who grants wishes into this campaign, something I've never done before. Not like actual like big wishes, like on a crazy scale. And you, because of who Sanjan was, you wish for Cedric to come back to life. Poof. No hesitation. Cedric offers you a wish and you say, nah, that's fine. My question is, was that difficult for you as a player to go and pass on a wish for a D&D character? As a player, yeah, but like me personally, yeah, I was like, man, I could do a lot with a wish. But as a character who I'm playing, it was really easy, if that distinction makes sense, for me to pass on a wish because... My whole thing was like I have I know who I am now like I know my philosophy and this is a moment for somebody else to learn that the best way to live life is a selfless life by <laughs> bringing him back twice from the dead this is an opportunity for that and then for him to offer the wish to me was a moment where I was like ah he gets it all right he get he gets it now like he's starting to figure it out because he's wanting to offer a wish in order for him to like, whether it was for him to feel okay with me wasting, not wasting a wish, but giving up my wish for him or whatever. It was that moment where I was like, oh, he's not thinking about himself or whatever is the best at this moment anymore. So for me, it was like, yeah, no, he gets it. He can have, yeah, he'll have the wish. Casey, one last question for you. How is it for you playing the character that for some weird reason, every night somebody forgot who you, what you were named? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think the most frustrating part was the fact that the captain never <laughs> seemed to know my name. The and you were his first mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm the first mate. The ca- Caleb's always like, I'm sorry, I, I don't remember your name again. <laughs> it, I mean, it got frustrating a little bit because it was like, it's not that hard to remember. Dordain. Dordain. <laughs> we do this almost every week. How can you not remember that? <laughs> All right. One last question for each of you guys. Let's go around. Casey, Mark, Chris, Caleb. Uh, favorite moment of this pe- past campaign? Least favorite moment? I'd have to say my favorite moment and maybe even my least favorite moment at the same time. Well, my favorite moment was when we were on that island where half of our crew got taken and Stephen Creel decided to go and save Sanjen. And I think that even though maybe player-wise he was really a lot of character or a comic, comic relief, it was almost like, wow, this really is a really touching moment because he just went and sacrificed himself for Sanjen because he has this life debt. 
And I think my least favorite moment was the time you rammed the ship into the rocks. <laughs> exactly. I, w- I was because captain. Because you hate that Chris brings it up every <laughs> he five He brings seconds. it up all the time. Even when we're at work together, I always bring it up. <laughs> and I, I, th- I thought I was doing the right thing because last time we went through a bunch of fog, we got attacked. So yeah. my thought was, let's get through this. And it didn't work out. You did get through it eventually. But anyway. eventually. Uh, Mark, how about you? My favorite moment was shortly before the second time I died, playing the antagonist. Me as a player, I really enjoyed that of like, can I do this? Can I win? Like, can I beat the rest of my yeah. fellow PCs? And that opportunity rarely, if ever, comes up in D&D. Right? You're just like, <laughs> yeah, tables turn. Um, unless it's well thought out and very longly planned out with the DM. So just to be able to turn the table was kind of fun. But that's mostly as a player. Uh, <laughs> my favorite clearly. moment was fighting you guys. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, least Mark? favorite? My least favorite moment was probably the black box of oops. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just got this new spell. I think it can help us. Oh, no. They totally know where we are. Um, Yeah. There's that that moment where it was like, oh, yeah, hindsight, that probably wasn't the best thing I could have done. And there was even things I could have done in that moment that would have worked much better. But for some reason, it was it was... I had this pattern in this campaign of every session. Cast spells, I would, ask questions. I later. would learn. A, I would <laughs> yes. learn a new spell. You need a and shirt would, that says yeah. that. <laughs> and I, I would learn a new spell, and I'd be like, I really want to use that because I would get excited about the new spell every session. And then every session, it would probably blow up on my face. I had the, I had the black box of oops. I had the. Um, the jar. Oh, hey, the, Turtlekin, let me steal your yeah, soul. In the this jar, jar of possession <laughs> where I stole the soul of the turtle. Then lots, there was, of, lots of crowning moments. Yeah, there was a later moment where we were. Prismatic we spray and throwing uh, Dordain, yeah. <laughs> yeah, trying to awful. get him out of the underworld, yeah. which he got attacked by several pet pit fiends and ripped to shreds. Yeah, um, the only thing that really worked was the last session where the anti-magic field kicked in at the right time. Caleb, what about you? Favorite moment, uh, Garzak. Uh, and honestly, I think that it's a, a kind of a category of moments. It happened uh, three or four times that on the ship, the crew had really low morale. Um, all manner of things were going wrong at different times. And Garzak had a few opportunities where he would do something or say something that was just very leader oriented um just leading by example or leading just with 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 inspiration and he had a few of those moments i think that those were really important things for that character because that was really a large part of who that character was as he saw himself as a, as a courageous leader who leads by examples and who leads by example um and so those moments were really really good moments for that character and then kind of the flip side of that the worst moment and again the worst moments like really it's this and then Everything that happens after this for Garzak is just bad, bad, bad. But from the moment when uh, the the Noggle's demise ship takes part of the crew and goes, um, I mean that was a really like that was a, that was a, a dark ending of that night of play. And then the next three or four nights, um, I don't remember how many nights it was. It was that night, and then it was I think it was three or four sessions before Garzak was finally completely broken and done. Mm. Um, but it was just. A series of awful, awful moments for Garza. Did you say unfortunate events? <laughs> but um, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I would have said that. Oh gosh. I don't think Lemony Snickets is anywhere near. Oh, what about what about you, Chris? Wrapping so us up. I think my favorite moment wasn't really something that happened in game, but it was having the time 
after the game to like write journal entries about the instances and things that have happened and we're having the opportunity to record those into an actual like audio journal type thing i think was my favorite moment even though it's really not a moment in game but the like a lot of moments gave me the opportunity to do that sort of thing so there was a lot of moments that were very important that allowed those to be uh as great as they were for me uh the worst thing the worst thing was probably, once again, a series of events where people just did not get it, <laughs> where <laughs> morality just seemed to keep going lower and lower until the point where we, right before we crashed the ship, right before we crashed the ship, where everybody's like, oh, hey, morale is boosted. Everybody's starting to get it. Kane wanted to kill you, Jordan, and now everybody's kind of getting, we are terrible, terrible people. And then Duordain showed us true colors and was a terrible, terrible captain and I sailed into some rocks. I hate you. I think that's a good place to end the episode. Full Pretty sure that's speed. good. I just want to say, <laughs> stop it. I think one of my favorite moments was when, Chris, you were trying to stop Kane from shooting Duordain. And I was like, there's no way this is going to work. And you net 20. And I was like, he hugs you and cries. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I hugged him. Like, I wrote this whole letter. Yeah, yeah. I said nothing for like back. three days. <laughs> I gave it to Casey to read. He started crying oh. reading it. I was like, no, you're supposed to read I it out loud. I almost cried. Yeah. I didn't cry. All right. You keep There's telling one tear. Be proud of it. Uh, you're the joining the ranks of hashtag magic mark and crying during a D&D session. So. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys uh, for joining us for this episode. All together now, let's say bye to the listeners. Bye. Goodbye. See you later. Jordan's an awful captain. Shut up. Well, that's all that we have for you today on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. If you'd like to get in touch with us, if you'd like to send us an email and send us something about an epilogue night that you did, or maybe just talk to us about D&D in general, you can send us an email at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember that you can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Podbean.com. And if you love our show and love what we do, please feel free to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and we will read it on air at the beginning of one of our episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can also like our Facebook page. If you want updates about the show, if you want D&D memes, if you want D&D great stuff all around those are the places to go to get all that if you're listening right now and you consider yourself a geek and i think you probably do or you should you should go check out some more podcasts with the block party podcast network beyond the dungeon masters block we have story arc podcast story arc is a podcast where we explore short stories written by both professional and amateur writers also check out the gm showcase the gm showcase is an actual play where every month we have a different gm run a game for us and showcase what they can do as a gm we hear some tips in the interviews and we hear some awesome fun play with awesome players from all different walks of geek life to find any of those podcasts simply search block party podcast network on itunes and they will all show up for you we have a patreon member shout out of this week and this week's patreon member shout out goes to 
William Humphreys. Yes, thank you so much, William Humphreys. You are fantastic. You are a silver dragon. So we hope you're on the forums. We hope you're giving some input to our show. We really, really appreciate your support. One last update about our show before I go. We, as we have last year, are taking the month of September off to get caught up on a lot of the podcasting work that we do. So for the month of September, there will be no new Dungeon Master Block episodes, but we will be back in October at full swing. So until then, if you get bored, go and check out GM Showcase. Go and check out Story Arc. Those will not be taking breaks. Check them out. Leave those podcast five-star reviews. Keep following us on Twitter for updates. We'll be back in October. We promise you. Well, that's all we have today for the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. Have a fantastic month of September and we'll be back in your ears in October. Until then, keep on dungeon mastering. Bye.